This is an Australian Museum podcast. Welcome to Amplify, a regular conversation featuring Australian Museum Director and CEO Kim McKay, speaking to researchers, scientists and other fascinating people from behind the scenes at the Australian Museum. Welcome to Amplify, the Australian Museum's regular podcast where I get to chat to a lot of the museum's behind-the-scenes people. I'm Kim McKay, the Director and CEO, and today I'm very fortunate to have the wonderful Vanessa Finney here. Vanessa heads up archives at the Australian Museum, and apart from that, she's also a bit of a whiz on the Scott Sisters, and that's the subject of today's podcast, is reflecting on this extraordinary new exhibition the Australian Museum has. Welcome, Vanessa. Thanks, Kim. Now, you've been at the museum how long now? Uh, Ten years. Wow, that's a long period of time. So ten years as an archivist. Can you just reflect on how you got into being an archivist at the museum? Um, I'm an accidental archivist, I think. So I wanted to have an academic career earlier in my life, um, but family life got in the way of that, and I retrained as an archivist. Um, Worked part-time in various um, places until I came to the museum about a decade ago. Very luckily. Very luckily. Well, lucky from the museum's point of view as well, not just yours, because we have an extraordinary archive here. Of course, we're 190 years old this year. And that archive, of course, is not just papers, is it? It's all sorts of material. No, it's not just paper. It's... um We have an amazing photography collection right back to the 1860s. So uh, we also have um, objects, so scientific instruments and bits and pieces associated with people who've worked at the museum. So the archives are quite different in a way to our collections, the museum collections. They are a collection in their own right, but are handled slightly differently. Um, We fall under the State Records Act, so we are... um, we actually have a legislative mandate to keep archives to record what we do here. Um, and yes and no, we're different from the collections. We support the collections and the collections um, don't mean much without us because the material that's in the archives will tell you where the collection came from, who collected it. Right, it gives the context. Exactly. And of course it makes me think twice every time I write a letter to someone because I know that it's going to go into the museum's archives and in about 100 years somebody say, who was this crazy woman? Well, let's hope so because, of course, your material is going to be digital, much more difficult to handle than the paper that we've got from the last 100 years. That's right, and you can see sometimes in some of those letters, the correspondence, the beautiful um, copper plate handwriting in the inks that we used in the day. And, of course, I guess with our printer technology and emails now, we lose some of that personality. Oh, I think so, most certainly. But yeah, it's, it's, it's different. I always try and, just, just for you, Vanessa, I do sometimes write handwritten notes to Excellent. people and photocopy them Excellent. so we can have some reflection there. Yeah. But, but if, of course, we've got, you know, you know, we've got all your email, and in there there's quite a lot of personality. I try. Sometimes I put kisses behind things and I'm sure they're going to look back and say, what was this woman doing all the time? Sending kisses to people. Now, of course, at the moment we have on display transformations, the art of the Scott sisters. And it's on display for our 190th because these two extraordinary women, Harriet and Helena Scott, form so much of the Australian Museum's early collection of their extraordinary drawings of butterflies and moths as well as other fauna of Australia. 
So you are a bit passionate about them, to say the least. Tell us how you became to know how you came to know these two extraordinary women in the collection. Uh, well, I came to know them from working with their amazing archive, which is um, absolutely the jewel in our collection. So it consists of a hundred amazing, incredible, beautiful, jewel-like paintings, but behind that sits um, a larger archive of manuscripts, notebooks um, and sketches and drawings, which really make it a, an unusually comprehensive um, view into uh, 19th century science done by women, which is incredibly rare in the Australian context. It is rare because I know in some of the correspondence I've read um, that Harriet and Helena wrote to friends of theirs. They wanted to study science at Sydney University, but of course weren't able to because they were women. Of course they didn't accept women into the faculty then, but they were lucky that they had a father who encouraged them to um, be active in their um, pursuit of science, so not just as artists but also as working naturalists. I mean, that's the thing when you see their work that most really intrigues you is how accurate it is that these aren't just drawings for the sake of doing a lovely drawing of a moth or a butterfly. They're absolutely accurate reflections of what those creatures look like. So, and that's right, behind the paintings is a whole lot of activity, including grubbing around in the dirt, looking for the caterpillars, taking them home, putting them in boxes and rearing them and waiting for them to transform and documenting every stage of that transformation. Yes, well, they couldn't just sit there with their sketch pad, could they, waiting for that to happen they'd be sitting there all day and all night. Absolutely, but I think they were because in their notebooks you can see how closely they observed the stages that the caterpillars went through. So when they were in their mid-teens, I know they moved with their parents to Ash Island, which is on the Hunter River around the Newcastle area. And I think today Ash Island is a is a more industrial island than it was then. It was very beautiful and they had their home there. Uh, So Ash Island was a pretty isolated place when they went there. Access was by boat. Um, And I think that partly explains this project as well, that they could have the isolation and um, the concentration that they would need in order to become the sort of experts that they they became working on the island. So they were there for two decades. um, And this project um, continued over that time. And you can see a progression um, in the amount of detail and attention that's in their paintings. I mean, when I see it, I'm, uh, firstly, it's a breathtaking collection. And in this exhibit, Transformations, it's so beautiful. And it's a, against the context of some really beautiful animations that we've done as well. And also gorgeous piano music. Mm-hmm. So you can actually sit in in this exhibition and really be transported to another time. I hope so. I hope so. So, I mean, that's part of the transformation as well, was to bring it into the digital age and work with some uh, talented talented animators to enliven those paintings and make the insects, um, bring the insects to life so that to get that feeling of immersion, um, like Harriet and Helena, looking at that sort of microscopic level. But their drawings also tell us another story. So on one level there's the natural science story of, of these creatures on the east coast of Australia at that time and they also illustrated books for Jared Kreft, the curator of the museum at that time. But their drawings and their story tells a different story too, a story of struggle by women who are very talented, who, as we said, couldn't study and really struggled throughout their life to make a living, didn't they? 
So unfortunately, um, after the publication of um, their father's book, which contains some of these um, paintings... This is A.W. Scott. This is A.W. Scott. um, He went bankrupt in 1866, and so Helena and Harriet had to um, earn a living from their art. And uh, they clearly found that very difficult. And I think uh, from their correspondence, you can see that Harriet in particular uh, found it difficult to... um, assess the value of the work that she was doing and to ask for the money that she needed to survive. And Helena um, didn't marry um, and for the rest of her life had to support herself with not just scientific art but commercial art also. And there's some very poignant letters from her when she was in her 70s writing to her niece saying that she's still looking for work. Which is quite extraordinary. I think in one of those last letters she talks about living with a couple who in their home who didn't have any children. She was boarding with them and yes. trying to get by. Yeah, she, I think the phrase she used is keeping the wolf from the door. Yeah, L- many people have to do that. But when you see the level of this artwork, it's we've all heard about the struggling artists, but here were two women who were extraordinarily talented and who obviously probably did that 10,000 hours thing. You know, they say so. 10,000 hours you become so proficient at what you're doing. Well, certainly... These two women had become extraordinarily proficient. Mm. Perhaps they were a little out of time, though. This project um, took so long to complete. It went over a nearly 50-year period that in that period, um, scientific illustration had completely been revolutionised by photography and with their skills um, in fine art, perhaps they weren't keeping up with the newest technologies. So they set out to literally draw every moth and butterfly caterpillar in Australia is that correct? That's right yes. So in their collection um, there are I think over 200 species illustrated. It really is extraordinary because it's somehow captured the beauty um, today and I I know the colouring on some of these drawings happened in England is that correct? No so that's the paintings were the references for the lithography so that happened here and then the final printed plates were sent to England to be hand-coloured. So for the books that they produced, um, every illustration in every book is coloured by hand. Mm. And they are breathtaking. They are. So you've been writing, studying the Scott sisters, I should say, for some time now and actually wanting to do a PhD around their work. Uh, they, the Scott sisters will be a part of the work that I'm doing. So my focus is on um, field naturalists and their notebooks and the Scots um, field work will certainly be part of what I'm interested in looking at, especially as working women, very, very rare. Very rare. And today you can study natural science illustration, I believe, at Newcastle University. That's right, yes. And we're looking at actually now creating a scholarship for a young woman artist come scientist in the name of the Scott Sisters, so that we can honour the Scott Sisters and at the same time encourage other young people to continue their legacy. Well, an incredible skill and still relevant today. I mean, scientists tell me that um, scientific illustrations are still useful because of their ability to give you an average view rather than a photo, which is just a moment in time. So scientific illustration still sitting on the boundary of art and science, but still useful in both spheres. It really is. And one of the great things about this particular exhibition is we're able to showcase these prints uh, with Fairfax Media. We've done a, struck a special deal where I think 22 of the Scott sisters 
prints are available for sale. That's right. You can buy them through the Fairfax store. Which is just marvellous. So if you come to the Australian Museum, you can see this extraordinary exhibition until around mid-June. Or you can go into our store, the Australian Museum store, and we have a whole range of merchandise, some beautiful scarves and a pocket kerchief and even a compact and a calendar around the Scott sisters. It's a great um, collection to take home with you. But then, of course, you can also purchase these marvellous prints through the Fairfax store too. That's right. But please come into the museum and see the real thing. I think so. When you walk through that gallery, and it's a new gallery here that we've just created by moving one of the collections, the one of the Indigenous collections off-site to our Castle Hill store, it has liberated this new gallery space. So it's in the, the new exhibition gallery on level one at the museum. And there are more than... How, how many of their images do we uh, have on 40, display? 40 of the paintings are on display with a, a range of manuscript and um, other archival material, along with a collection of butterflies from our entomology collection that relate to the paintings that are in the exhibition. Well, that must have been fun having our entomologists find those matching butterflies and moths, was it? To That's match? right. They did a great job in actually finding almost all of the specimens. Which is extraordinary, mm-hmm. which is why our natural science collections are so important because they hold that reference material as well as these extraordinary drawings. And when you walk through the exhibition and you look at the detail, and for me it's the colours that pop on each of these butterflies and moths. That sweep you away absolutely and it's an it's a it's amazing that those paintings are still as vibrant today as the day that they were painted so for a long time they were just kept in a box for maybe a hundred years haven't been exposed to the light so we're just lucky to benefit from that with the amazing depth of, and brightness of color well i know in our archives vanessa that you manage we have so many beautiful books and manuscripts but certainly the scott sisters collection as you say, is really the piece de resistance in that collection. I think so. I think so. Well, it's the combination, isn't it, of these two very extraordinary women and getting to know their personalities a little bit and having the fact that they worked here at the museum so regularly. Well, and that they had such a close connection with people at the museum. And what we've tried to do in this exhibition too is bring them out as individuals so you can... Harriet's on one side of the exhibition and Helena on the other. Take your time, have a look and see if you can see any differences between them. But we've also tried to bring out some difference in their personality as well because I think they were quite different, as most sisters are. Indeed, I have one as well. And I think actually what a lovely exhibition to bring your sister to and to be able to reflect on that. Uh, Vanessa Finney, thank you so much for bringing the Scott Sisters Transformations to all of us and for your understanding of their extraordinary work and contribution to the Australian Museum in our 190th year. Thank you. This has been an Australian Museum podcast.